uh, outreach efforts. Students, hundreds of students we get to speak to early in the morning about Christ. Uh, The most unique thing that happened with both Luca and I, he's my co-helper in this one, was we had the opportunity to baptize. And boy, did we baptize. Not just one, not just two, but 153 people into the faith. I was gone. Uh, the last time I felt like that was when I had finished a uh, 15-mile race when I finished second place, averaging 504 a mile. That's the way I felt. I was exhausted. But it was a good exhaustion. It was a good trip that uh, we all had. Jim, Randy, uh, Dan, Luca, myself, and Roy. And God richly blessed that. Uh, one more blessing. We just uh, briefly, a real brief blessing, but it's a great blessing. I just got finished taking 11 of our students to Spokane, like we do every year, uh, for a vacation Bible school up there. And I could tell you all kinds of stories, but there's only one illustration uh, just to tell you about your students and where they are. It was Tuesday night. We had just come home from a barbecue. And I'm sitting there, and they all come rushing coming up to me i can tell completely disdained flushed what do we do our faith has been provoked we we felt embarrassed we felt we didn't know what to do we didn't know what to say and so through the course of just asking some uh some other teenagers there from their church had uh brought up some things that actually was very challenging to them. And how should they respond to these things? So it's definitely not the way we see things. And so we started talking. And one of the things I suggested at first, I said, well, do you want me to say something tomorrow within the devotion that I'll give? Because I give a devotion every afternoon. And they looked at me and they said, No. We don't want you to say anything. I said, oh, great, thank you. Um, No. They said, we want to do this, but we don't know how to do this. Could we do it like this? Could you kind of pair us up? But give us something to talk about with them. And that is exactly what we did. So the next morning, I had prepared about 15 or so questions just on basic questions. Who is God? What is sin? Those kind of questions. And we paired them up, and they got to know not only the context that these young people were in and living through, but it gave them an opportunity to share not only their own personal faith, but the faith itself. And gave them an opportunity to actually learn how to communicate their faith to others. Your students are maturing. And they are becoming uh, dedicated in their faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it becomes more evident each year. 
And I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the privilege that Clara and I both have, as well as others, to work with the students here, but mostly to be able to step aside and to see them live out their faith. It's a good week, good week for that. It's been a good summer. Before we get into our message, though, I just want to stop. I just want to pray. Thank the Lord. He's a good God, isn't he? Sometimes I think we forget just how good God is and what he's done. And he continues to do in our lives every day. So let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your love and your kindness. You are a very generous God, providing what we need and then giving us your presence when life becomes hard and difficult and tough. I just pray for our time in your word this morning. I ask that uh, as we discuss faith, that you will not only give us a better understanding of faith, but you will strengthen our faith uh, so that no matter what our resolve is, no matter what our circumstances are, we will be able to withstand and stand firm until the day we meet you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So turn to Hebrews 11. Um, One of the most important parts of a ship is its anchor. Without an anchor, uh, a ship left on shore will drift away. Without an anchor, a ship will be tossed to and, and fro, even capsized by the storms it encounters. It is interesting. A ship is very comparable to us. We are like our lives on a sea, heading to a destination that awaits us. But along that route, we enter storms. We find ourselves at places where it becomes calm. And without our anchor, we could be lost. The anchor for the Christian is faith. It's faith. So in Hebrews 11, we're going to discuss this morning faith. So my first question to you is, what is faith? Uh, That is a term that I think has a full spectrum. Sadly, we're either on one end of the spectrum or the other. We're on one end of the spectrum where... Our faith is neglected. We don't live by it. We give lip service to it. We identify ourselves as believers in Christ. But does it, does our life match up to what we profess? That's where faith comes in. And I think, for, like I said, for far too many believers, we may have the right doctrine, we may have the right practices, but do we have faith? But then there's the other extreme, where faith is seen as the magic lamp. If I rub it hard enough, shine it up, 
God will appear and give me my three wishes. And if God doesn't give me my three wishes, then I haven't rubbed the lamp hard enough. Not what. Sadly, neither one is faith. Not what the Bible calls faith. Not what we read about here in Hebrews 11. Uh, briefly, the context of Hebrews. Interesting book. Hebrews was written by an author unknown. Some think Paul. Some think by another apostle. But it was written to Jewish believers. Jews who had professed faith in Christ. But because of the promise of Christ wasn't apparent at that moment. And because they were encountering a lot of things that we would never experience ourselves. Ostracization by their families because they believed in Christ. Persecution and even execution by the Romans because of their faith in Christ. Where is this one that you said is the Messiah, the King? Where is the kingdom of God today? And so many were going back to the Mosaic Law in an effort that by obeying the Mosaic Law, that they would be made righteous in the presence of God and therefore enter into his rest upon their death or upon the return or the coming of the Messiah. Sadly, the writer in the sixth chapter will say, by doing that, do you not realize by going back to the law that that is going to cause Christ to return and have to be crucified all over again? Because that is the purpose of the law. To show us the need of a Savior. Right? To show us that we cannot be righteous in the presence of God, but that our righteousness comes by faith in the work of Christ. Does it not? And we are declared righteous through the imputed work of Jesus Christ. And that by going back to Mosaic law, would in effect say... Christ would have to return and die all over again for your sin. Well, that's ridiculous, isn't it? And so, after spending 10 chapters demonstrating the superiority of Christ over everything related to the law, he comes to chapter 11 and he says, Here is the secret. You live by faith. And he's going to make a point. His point is to demonstrate to them the, that they're heroes. The men and the women that they looked up to in their past. The history, so to say. He said, these were men and women who lived anticipating what they would receive. And it was that anticipation of what they would receive that was the, the, the foundation of their faith. So, what then is faith? In verse 1 we read, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not yet seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. They were declared righteous, 
righteous through faith. But what is faith? Well, the first thing I want you to take notice there when he talks about what is faith, faith has at its end a destination. There's a promise that awaits those who are in Christ, is there not? We call it eternal life. It is something that is yet to come. It is where we are heading to. There is also the blessings that we receive in this life. Blessings that are given to us as we await the fulfillment of the promise. The assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not yet seen. We are given confidence. So our faith isn't at all a blind faith. Do not ever allow anyone to say to you, your faith in God is a blind leap. It's anything but. The blessings of God are a constant reminder to us of the promise that is yet to come. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. And because of the assurance of things hoped for, I am utterly, absolutely convinced of what is yet to come. Right? Faith believes in God's promise completely because of what he has done. In verse 3 we read, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. So the writer here is telling these discouraged believers, the first place I want you to look is out here. Look at what God has made. Look at creation itself. This just didn't happen. It came to be by the will of God. Determined by Him. With all of its physics and its science. Everything in its exact position crafted for our existence. This is what we've talked about here at Vacation Bible School with the children. I had one student, I was working with fifth, sixth graders. He says, asks me, he says, how do you know there is a God? With a little smirk on his face. What a challenge. I like it when kids challenge me. So I just looked at him. I said, look outside. That's how I know God exists. Because physics and because chemistry and because biology and because everything that is has a design. And behind every design is a designer. Right? I believe because of what is. Firm fact. For my faith. And faith also believes in God because of who he is. And without faith it is impossible to please him in verse 6. For whoever would draw near to God must believe he exists. And that he rewards those who seek him. Do you see the elements of faith there? Faith not only believes in what is. Faith also believes in the one who made it. 
It demands an object. Faith in and of itself does nothing. Faith in God does everything. Right? You can put your faith in something that isn't reliable, that isn't faithful, that isn't able, and you will fail. You put your faith in the God of the universe, and all things are possible. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him, because one must believe that He is. That's more than just His existence, that's everything about Him, that's His essence, that's His character. That's his will. In other words, when I place my faith in God, I place my faith in a God who I know is going to care for me and direct me and lead me to where he desires me to be. So my faith is in accordance to God. I'm not trying to move God to do something for me. My faith says I am trusting in God in what he will do to me. That's faith. That's faith. And so faith becomes an exercise of discovering God's will for my life and what he's at work doing in my life. And along the way, God will give me blessings so that I will be encouraged, so that I will be strengthened. But I don't come to God for the blessings. I seek out God for the promise. Of what is yet to come. Of what he has promised us. People, can I ask you something? Can I really ask you something? Is this world the world you really want to live in? Forever? I mean, it's filled with blessings. My goodness, blessing. Luke and Laura, what a blessing. God gives us blessings, but those blessings are simply to whet our appetite for what is yet to come. Something far better than this world. Enjoy the blessings that God gives. Don't let the blessings block you from the promise yet to come. So we believe in who he is and that he rewards those who seek him. Therefore, a person who has faith is thankful, right? A person who has faith is thankful. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commended him by accepting his gifts and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. The story of Cain and Abel, and you're, most of you are familiar with it. It's a story of two brothers. Both came before God to give a sacrifice to God. Now, there's some debate on the interpretation of the sacrifice and which sacrifice was it about, what was sacrificed. But there's something, if you go back to Genesis 4 and you read it, that's in there that I think moves me to this conclusion. That it was more than just what they had sacrificed. But it was the quality of the sacrifice that was given that made the difference. You see, because it says, Abel gave of the best of his flock, but Cain gave us some of his fruit. Abel was a man of great faith. How do I know? 
because of the best of his flock, he sacrificed to God to say thank you. He recognized that everything he had was a gift of God. He recognized that that best lamb, can you imagine the best lamb and what he could have done with that lamb in terms of uh, breeding it, in terms of uh, having food for his own family, the, the celebration, but instead he gave the best to God because he was grateful. He was grateful. My goodness. Look at all that we have. And I ask you, are you a grateful people today? Everything from our jobs, our families, our homes. Do we say thank you? Because they are a gift of God. They are a blessing from God. But I worked for this. You bet you worked for this. But who gave you the ability to work? But this was my job. But who provided the job for you? I could go through you my whole life and the different jobs I had. And I could see it was the hand of God every time that provided the job. Paul says, I've learned the secret of contentment, whether in plenty or in want. It is my God who supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Right? Mm. So a person of faith is one who is thankful. Because a thankful person recognizes in time of need who they turn to. A thankful person will turn their minds and their, their hearts towards a God who provides. A God who sustains an ungrateful person in a time of need panics. A person who has faith is one who pleases God. Verse 11, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. The whole story of Enoch. Enoch's desire, his pleasure in life was to be with God. Was In that genealogy in Genesis 5, this is all it says about Enoch. It says that Enoch was with God and Enoch was not. That's all it says. That's all we know about him. But there's so much in those, just that sentence. Enoch was with God. At a time and an age when most people were drifting further and further in their depravity, becoming more and more sinful to the point that in Genesis 6 it says that God looked down on mankind and saw that the intent of their heart was on evil all the time. We had Enoch desiring God. Not just desiring obedience to God, even though that's an important part, but just wanting to be with God. Do you have a passion for God? That is something that a person of faith grows in. Do you have a desire to know Him? Do you have a desire to be like Christ? Do you have a desire above all things that your life 
would please him. That's something we grow into. We mature towards. But that should be what the person of faith is all about. A man, a woman, a child bent on hearing God say, Well done, in whom I am pleased. Would you like to hear that one point in your life? Oh my goodness, can you imagine when uh, the skies opened, the sun beamed down on our Lord after his baptism, the Holy Spirit descending like a dove, and that voice from heaven, Beloved, here is my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. A person who has faith is reverent. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah. As I said, the whole world was bent towards evil. But Noah was declared righteous by God's grace through faith. Noah understood who God was and understood that the judgment of God was about to come on this earth and in absolute fear and reverence towards God, he submitted to God to bring him glory, thus preserving his family. Fear of God is important. Philippians tells us that we work our our salvation by what? Fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to perfect. We're reverent towards God. I'm going through these fast so that... I'm looking over here just to make sure the watch. Am I okay? Okay. Uh, A person of faith is one who believes. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundation, whose designer and builder is God. There's two things I want you to take note here. The first thing I want you to take note of this man, uh, Abraham. Who believed. Believed God enough that he left his home and went to a land that he had never seen. Children up everything. Wife, nephew, children. Not his children, but the everything he had. And he came to Canaan and he lived in tents his whole life. That's the first thing I want you to see. He believed in God. When God made those promises to him. When God said to him, you will become the father of a great nation. You will have this great land. And you will be a blessing to the world. He believed. And his belief was demonstrated in his actions. He moved. He moved. But did you notice something about that? He moved to a place where God was directing him, not only to that place, but anticipating at some point a greater place would be given to him. 
That's the promise. That's referring to the promise that is yet to come. But you see, he got the blessing. And in getting the blessing, it affirmed in his mind that the promise that is yet to come was true. He goes on and says, By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man in him as good as dead was born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. They believed. But not only them, we see all these in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, have acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have the opportunity to return. But as it is said, they desire better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. You see, the blessing preceding the promise. Abraham and his descendants received the blessing anticipating the coming eternal life that is offered to all through faith. A person of faith is obedient. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him from the dead. Hmm. Imagine. A lot of people have asked that question. Well, why would Abraham be so willing to kill his son? It says so right there. You see, God promised that blessing of that son, that son, Not Ishmael. Not any of the sons that would follow through other marriages that Abraham would have. That son, Isaac, would come the eternal blessing. And so Abraham believed. And he believed because he had already seen the dead come to life when Isaac was born. And if God could raise Isaac up from a dead womb, would he not raise Isaac up from a dead sacrifice? He believed. Because he believed, God provided the substitute. The lamb in the thicket. The ram, rather, in the thicket that would be the suitable sacrifice. A picture of what was yet to come in our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to move ahead here. Um, A person of faith, let me see here. As we read through the rest of this, for the sake of time, I want you to turn down there with me closer to the end, verses 32. I want you to recognize that there are many who were blessed. Verse 32 says, and what shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, and of David and Samuel the prophets, 
who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire, and escaped the edge of the sword. Were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, and women received back their dead by the resurrection. All of the blessings that you see of these saints in the Old Testament, one after another, Samson, David, Moses. The list goes on and on and on and on about those who received God's blessing. And those blessings were simply a monument for what was yet to come, for the promise that would be theirs. But what about those who weren't blessed? You see, it goes on to say, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they may rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in the skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. These of whom the world were not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. What drove both the blessed and those who were not blessed? It was their faith in the ability and the compassion of God to give them what he had promised. But there was a a thing. There was something that drove their faith. It says, in all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. In other words, a condition had to be fulfilled. Before the promise could be a reality, not only for them, but before the promise could be a reality for you and me, a condition had to be fulfilled. You see, we were in our sins. We are separated from God, waiting on eternity's death to be condemned, to be executed. A condition had to be done. A payment had to be made or the promise would never be ours, nor would it be theirs. That condition had to be fulfilled by only one person. Chapter 12, verses 1 to 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Lord Jesus Christ, the whole purpose of coming to earth, he did not come to earth to show us how to live. He did not come to earth to heal the lame, the blind, the deaf. He did not come to earth to raise Lazarus and others from the grave. He came to earth to die. To shed his blood, for this was the will of the Father. That the only sacrifice for sin would be made. That just like the ram in the thicket was the substitute for Isaac, the Lord Jesus Christ is our substitute. That without Christ, we have no promise.
but it is only through Christ that the promise is a reality. Amen? Men, women, it is time. We need to be a people of faith. A people of faith that is driven by our love for God. That we trust Him. We depend on Him. And we keep our eyes straight forward. Looking after Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So that one day, we will receive the promise of God. Let us pray. Help us, dear Lord, to keep our eyes on you. Too often we're like Peter. We place our eyes on you as we walk across the sea as it is brisking up against us. But then we turn our glance towards the waves and we begin to drown. Help us to keep our faith on you. Focusing our eyes, our lives on you. Becoming a person who believes. A person who is obedient. A person who is thankful. A person whose desire is to please you. Knowing that no matter what happens around us. We are safe and secure as we look ahead. It's in your name we pray. Amen.